Say It With Guitars. I'm your host, Pete Cornelius. Each episode, I'll be digging deep and getting to hang with some of Australia's finest guitar pickers, songwriters, producers, collectors, and makers. I look forward to bringing you these fun conversations and I hope you enjoy Say It With Guitars. Hey folks, how you doing? Thanks for joining us for episode nine of the podcast. Yeah, we're chewing through them. Also, another milestone was we reached over a thousand plays or downloads a little while ago, so that was nice. Thanks for your support. Had a pretty fun show on the weekend at Junction Arts Festival in Launceston, and we've got a pretty fun one coming up, actually, uh, get the band back together. The original DeVilles are going to uh, reform for a one-off show. That's right, the old man Bruce on drums, Phil Wilson on bass. It's for a festival called George. It's a beer festival and music festival held in St. Helens on the east coast of Tasmania. It's going to be Saturday the 15th of October. Get your tickets, folks. Festival called George. All right, here we go. Before we crack into today's show, I'd like to shout out to our sponsor, Mr. Billy Tarrant from Tarrant Guitars. Billy's an amazing luthier and he makes some real sweet instruments. I'm lucky enough for him to have built me a double O size acoustic guitar which I've dragged all around the country and it's sounding better than ever. So yeah, check out tarrantguitars.net.au. Tessie's one-stop custom workshop for custom-made guitars, all guitar repairs and services. Let's get into the show. All right, welcome to another episode of Say It With Guitars and today's guest is John Parsons. John, how are you? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks for the coffee. It's just what I need on this uh, sunny Thursday morning. (laughs) Well, it's PM now. It is. It's not morning. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, and thanks also for letting us into your workshop. Yeah, no worries. I haven't stepped foot in here before and I should have actually had a little look around before we had a chat. Um, it's a great looking setup, mate. Um, how long have you been here? So we moved in June 20, 2020, yeah, mm-hmm. right in the heart of the pandemic, which was nice to have something to do while we were <laughs> stuck at home. Yeah. Um, to have a new home that we could – to make our own. Um, and, yeah, it's been really good settling in. I'm still not 100% there, but, yep. you know, I've got I, a functional I workshop. I don't think anyone ever is. <laughs> it's constantly evolving. I think my last workshop was, yeah, continuously changing until right. the moment we moved out. So, Have you found you've built a lot of your tables or have you sort of built – Bits and pieces, like part of the furniture here, or um, no? Most of it came from the old workshop. Okay, but um, I mean, thankfully, like there's two giant rows of workbenches already built in. Um, so this workshop is like a little freestanding thing. It's like ten by five meters or something. Mm-hmm. Pretty decent size. But the original owner had it built for his model trains. Ah, oh, so there's like interesting powerpoints galore. The original. <laughs> um, like blueprint, the floor plan is up on the the door, um, and it shows where his train track went. And there was actually cool. a big train mural up on the wall when we moved in. Yeah, right. But, um, the kids would like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that had to uh, they had to go. Yeah, doesn't quite fit the uh, the Jay Parsons brand. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the Jay Parsons brand. I know you've been yeah. making guitars for a little while now. Have you stepped it up a bit, like in production yeah. wise? Now yeah. you've got a bigger space. Yeah, trying to. Um, it comes with a couple of challenges. Um, but I think I started maybe eight or nine years ago and at the time really I was just, just doing repairs um, and then started tinkering with some of my own builds just to uh, just because I've always wanted to do it. And one of my customers came in and saw it and placed an order straight away. Yep. Um, and it was around that time that Instagram was really starting to become popular and Mm -hmm. um, it seemed to be the place for guitar builders and guitar buyers. Um, And so I was just documenting my my builds there and it kind of took off. Um, I got one guitar into the hands of a a reasonably prominent guitar player um, in the, I guess, in the Christian community. He's um, fairly visible. And so that 
brought quite a few customers in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I just ended up for quite a few years purely shipping to the US. Wow. So just quickly found a market there just basically through Instagram. Yeah. Um, and they just, yeah, there's something about the Tasmanian Tasmanian timbers and the made in Tasmania thing that just really appealed to them. Um, yeah. And at the time, like, I was willing to to experiment experiment and do custom stuff. Uh, so I was building some really interesting stuff um, and then gradually got to the point where um, also as a wedding photographer, which we do over summer, um, that was getting busier and busier. So I knew that I had to streamline things a little bit. So I cut down the amount of models and the options to just a handful of ones that I really liked and kind of defined my design yeah. ethos and, you know, the stuff that I enjoyed building and the stuff that the customers um, seemed to enjoy. Um, and then, yeah, moving into this new shop definitely gave me the room to buy, you know, better machines that yep. speed up the process. Um, but it actually, um, yeah, coronavirus came with its own challenges in supply chain yeah. issues. Like getting getting parts has been challenging, like... Um, McNelly, who makes all my pickups, you know, went from a two or three week turnaround to a two or three month turnaround. Yeah. Um, you know, he's tr- having trouble getting his parts, but also the people that he employed to help him all of a sudden couldn't be in his shop. Yep. So he's back to a one man show yep. trying to fulfill the orders for the all the customers that he's, you know, built over the years. Um, and, you know, same with hardware, like Goto, you order, um, an order from Goto in Japan and, yeah, same story. It's like two months, um, which they used to just have stock. Yeah. Used to just be able to place an order and it would turn up. Absolutely. But now, um, yeah, some of their products are even four or five months back ordered. So yep. it's a bit wild. Yeah, the whole thing snowballs, hey. As soon as yeah. one link in that chain mm. has a bit of a clog, it's yeah. just going to like every element that mm. evolves around that yeah. will slow down and yeah. therefore present an issue with someone like yourself or yeah. and, I, and I guess the custom guitar market I think the customers are probably cool with that they're probably like yep I understand this is mm. how a small operation works it's all very um, one man show and they're happy to wait because they know mm. that the product's going to be great at the end and there's nothing like a bit of tension and yes. excitement <laughs> along the way you know you get to sort of probably get a few extra photos of your guitar that's not quite finished yet and mm. sort of tease people like that a bit. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean that that brings pressures with it as well, which is yeah. something that I've been wrestling with over the last couple of years is that your your process is just so very visible. Once, yeah, once I'd built that following on Instagram, that's just what came to be expected. That um, Yeah. So have you ever had your... Your stock in a store or have you ever had sort of like a, a retail or commercial sort of no. presence? So I'm just starting to explore that. Um, last year I sold a guitar to a customer in Sydney and he was friends with a, a guy that owns a, a music shop up there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually building one for that music shop at the moment. Cool. And just kind of testing the waters um, to see whether it's something that works for the way that I build. Yeah, see whether it's a viable option. Yep. And it, has it been a bit of a word of mouth business yeah. for you as well? Like yeah. happy customers who are recommending your yeah. product to others? And yeah, and guys that are, you know, buying multiple guitars. Yep. Which has been really cool. Yeah, it's strange how these things happen. I didn't expect it to grow as quickly <laughs> as it did. <laughs> Do you still have your first guitar, your first build? No, no. No? <laughs> um, actually, no. I think my parents... Salvaged it from the the bin, and they've got it at their place. <laughs> right, <laughs> they're the sort of things you can't throw away. Like no. even though it's probably you look at it now, probably cringing. Yeah, a lot of its elements, but that's all part of the story, isn't it? Yeah, that sort of thing. Well, yeah. What does it look like? What 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 is your first build? Well, my first build was in college, and it was just a lap steel. Okay, um, so it's pretty standard yeah. lap steel looking thing. Like long scale, like guitar scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, I was right into Ben Harper. So. Yes. Um, I think the whole of Australia <laughs> was into Ben Harper. Yeah. I, have you ever seen those Cole Clark lap steels yeah. like they're built out of a skateboard yeah. deck? Yeah. They're pretty sweet. Yeah. I'm not sure they serve well as a skateboard, but they... <laughs> it's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. Yeah. 
And where did you progress from there? Did you sort of take some lessons from that build and go, oh, maybe I should try this, not do that next time? And um, well, my next build was actually a base. So I'm primarily a bass player. Have I was going to say, that's, that's where I met you yeah. on the stage playing bass with yeah. fellow musos. Um, yeah. So and I think I think it might have even been Woody or someone who yeah. first said, oh, Jono's making guitars, you should have a look yeah. on his Instagram. What's Instagram? It's just... <laughs> This thing where people put photos, they're like, oh, that's a weird concept, but cool, all right, I'll have a look. <laughs> and then here we are. Yeah. What, almost 10 years later, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, so I guess my second year of college, I decided to to um, step up my game and at that time I was right into Primus. Yeah. <laughs> so I built something that was very Les Claypool. Claypool. Yeah. Um, and. Like a jazz bass style? No, it was no. real weird. I actually oh, really? found. Um, Going through, found my nan's old um, handy camp. Right. We were going through some of the videos from that and I actually came across, I'd, I'd taken it over to show my nan and pop when I finished it. Um, I was a little boy back then. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was fascinating. Oh, it was wow. um, like multi-layered so like the whole body was carved and shaped so that each layer kind of came through the next. Cool. Um, and I think it had uh, like a music band, Stingray, Pick up in it, and mm-hmm. it was fretless. Sure, um, four yeah. string. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I wasn't quite ready for a six string <laughs> yet at that time. <laughs> um, yeah, and from from there, I actually I really didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, once I moved out of home, I had and out of school, I had no tools. Yeah. So it kind of went on the back burner. Um, but I mean, during those years, I was working at Barrett's Music. Doing most of their setups and repairs, and so that was that was really shaping my understanding of guitars a lot. Yeah, you know what I liked in guitars, what I saw worked in guitars. Um, Especially if things come in a little bit broken or a little mm. bit out of shape, you can go, ah, oh, okay, I can bring this back yeah. how it should be, and I know the process, and yeah. I know that that might be a design fault yeah. or a problem with that part. Yeah. So that would have been good to... Yeah, so that yeah, that really shaped, I guess, my tasting guitars mm-hmm. um, a lot. And then, yeah, it wasn't until I got married and finally had a bit of space to start, you know, collecting tools and yeah. tinkering that, um, yeah, I actually got a chance to, to delve into it again. Did you have a mentor or someone around this sort of neck of the woods that you could sort of call up or get some ideas from or some um, advice or... I mean, Dave Dobson's always been a handy resource and, yep. you know, we go way back. I actually did work experience with him back in the day. Cool. Um, so I've learned a lot from him and he's he's always happy to, mm-hmm. to chat through things. Philip Smith, who was the, the violin maker on St John Street. Yep. Uh, he graciously <laughs> answered a number of questions for me, which was really good. But most of it has um, has been self-taught. I've just sure. got that that part of my nature that is very curious. And most of it comes down to I like to pull stuff apart to the <laughs> yeah. point where sometimes it doesn't go back together. Yeah. Um, that's always been me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's how I, I got my understanding of how things work, including guitars. So I don't, think, I don't think I've owned a guitar that I haven't pulled apart. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's a good way to, to do it because so many guitar players I know that are just scared off it. Mm. They just think, oh, it's, it's such a valuable instrument and mm. I, I can't afford to, to damage something. Yeah. And, but I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I'm more than happy to pull it apart mm. and get all the screws out and, yeah. and look at all the switches and, yeah. and look at how this does that. And, yeah, I'm, I'm totally up for that too. I think it's great. Yeah. I think every player should at least pull a guitar apart and put mm. it back together and definitely and adjust the truss rod and mm. adjust just do some regular maintenance. I yeah. think like yeah. give the frets a bit of a polish yeah. or reset your intonation. And yeah, yeah I'm things. always amazed at um, like particularly truss rods. There's this certain fear that you could break it. Yeah, like they you know they're pretty tough. Like yes, they do break sometimes, but you got to be doing something wrong. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of the time the fear comes from maybe a, an older instrument perhaps, like yeah. a, maybe an instrument from the 60s or 70s yeah. that A, might be worth a lot of money and B, the truss rod might not have moved for yeah. 30, 40 years. Yeah, it's like seized up with rust or yeah. there's been a bit of glue in the, in the in the channel. Yeah, so I think there's a bit of 
fear with that. But and but yeah, like I said, just you're not going to damage it too bad. No. <laughs> if you do, come bring it to, to yeah, John. Exactly. Come fix it up for you. <laughs> so you, you mentioned Tassie Timbers. Yeah. Are you primarily a Tassie Timber guy? Yes. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not sure how long that will last. Um, most of my stuff has been Blackwood. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's – I do enjoy working with it and it's a stunning timber. Mm. Um, but over the years, probably due to my carelessness, I've developed a sensitivity to it. Oh, so, really? Like, just the dust. Right. Like, um, you know, the dust is bad for you. Yes. Um, but the more exposed to it you get, like – now if I just breathe in, a, you know, a little bit of dust, I just end up with like really bad asthma and hay fever. Okay. So I, I will be moving away from, from Blackwood at least in the near future. And also it's it's hard to find, you know, a, a, a steady supply. Yeah. Um, so most of the stuff I've got, which has been sitting up in my rafters for quite a few years, uh, came from a sawmiller in... Scottsdale, mm-hmm. and it was all almost green when I bought it. So right. it's been sitting drying for yonks. Yep. Um, and I've been, yeah, slowly working my way through that stash. But beyond that, I don't know where to, like some of the the bigger retailers, or not retailers, but suppliers of it, they just don't mill it in the sizes that I need. So That's it. I suppose it's typically gone out to a furniture yeah. builder. And the sizes are probably much different. Probably not yeah. even, are they the same quarter saw that you would be looking for? Um, no, generally not. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the stuff that goes to furniture builders tends to be thinner and not quite as wide. Yeah. Um, and you're machining your own necks? Everything? Yeah, yep, yeah, the whole lot. lot. Uh, for, the, for the necks, I tend to use, um, I guess, international species. Like a maple so, of sorts? Yeah, so I've really grown to like roasted maple. Yep. Um, but even that, um, you know, it has its weaknesses. Um, it becomes a lot more brittle once it's heat treated the mm-hmm. way it is. But it looks really good and it smells good and it's relatively stable as a neck material. And then fingerboards, um, I've settled on Makassar Ebony, which is from Indonesia, I think. But that's it's got it's not jet black, so it's got nice brown stripes through it. Looks like a more, yeah, it looks more like a nice rosewood than, sure. than an ebony. Um, but it is, yeah, it's stable and it's yep. easy to machine um, and it looks good. Yep. So. Yeah, it's, it's a funny old debate, the Tassie Timber thing. Yeah. Um, I know that it's a constant in the guitar making world. Even the, the players, not so much, but definitely the making yeah. industry is always like, oh, what are you using and why are you doing that? And yeah. Sort of questioning things. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, but, cool. yeah, I've got one on the go at the moment. It's actually um, one's Myrtle yeah, and the other one is Celery Top Pine. Interesting. As a cap or the whole body? Uh, no, as in the the necks. Oh, the neck. Yeah. So oh, the right. neck is Myrtle, which it's similar to <coughs> Maple um, in terms of its structure and its mm-hmm. properties. Um, I've got a Myrtle guitar at home. Yeah. It's the same piece of wood um, as our kitchen bench as yeah, from cool. our family Table. Awesome. Um, I was telling – I actually had an interview yesterday with Billy Tarrant up in Devonport. I was telling this story, so I probably won't tell the whole story now because the listeners will be going, oh, it's that story again. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was really special to have a a piece of wood that come from our family home put into a guitar. Like the guitar's not not the greatest of instruments, but at the time it was very special Mm -hmm. and very cool. So, yeah, yeah, Myrtle's great and it looks superb. It is beautiful timber. It's such a colour that you don't get in any other timber. No. That pinky kind of... Yeah. Yeah, so our dining table at home was also made of myrtle, so I've always loved it. Great. Even the, the ceiling of our lounge room was rough-cut myrtle. Yep. Um, so I've always had a fondness for it. Um, but, yeah, this guitar, uh, myrtle neck, hue and pine top, and then a myrtle back. Wow. So It's going to be very special. Yeah. Looking it's going to smell good too. Yeah. <laughs> do you, what's 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 your, with your finishes? Do you like just oil them typically, or do you bit put of a, a mix? Uh, nitro the last down? the last couple of years, uh, especially for colours, like people love coloured guitars. Yeah. Um, so I have been tending towards lacquer finishes. Yeah. Um, but I personally want to move away from that. I'm trying to figure out how <laughs> to, and still be able to provide colours. 
Yeah. Um, but in the in the years leading up, I'd 100% oil. Yeah. Um, and I'd I've tried most of the oils on the market mm-hmm. um, and pushed them until I could get a finish that I liked. I've done stuff, you know, French polish, um, all sorts of stuff. Yep. And tell us mm. about. I know you've. It's probably a signature thing. Is like it's not an air hole, but it's it's yeah. a, it's like a little peephole into the yeah. chamber of the upper bout, right? Like yeah. A, so one of my what guitar, do you call that? One of my guitar making friends called it the swoop. The swoop. That's yeah. Nice. <laughs> so I don't, I don't even know where that came from. Um, I, it, it was on my first first guitar as Jay Parsons um, when I got back into building. Yeah. And like this this poor guitar, I just kind of made it up on the fly. Like it wasn't even supposed to be bound, but I had a bit of tear out on one of the sides. So I thought, oh, I could probably route that bit out and put some binding on. And then, yeah, just this idea came to me. What if I routed out that section of the top to reveal, I guess, the chamber that was underneath it? Yep. Um, And then, yeah, once I added the binding, it was like, okay, this is is something. (laughs) Uh, it's very subtle. It's, yeah. it's a very subtle move. And I suppose when you're playing it, you might not even see it because mm. it's probably covered up by an arm or part of your clothing or mm. whatever, so it might not be that prominent. And, and I guess as a signature thing, it's sort of a bit hidden, so it's probably not done on purpose. Like, But mm. like you said, it's like a happy accident. Like you sort of went, oh, yeah. what if I just do this? And mm. next thing you've like, do you include, is like part of every build now? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's just become the signature Um Primarily because like most of my guitars are uh, thin line or like fully chambered. Yep. Especially when you're working with blackwood, you need, need some weight relief. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just yeah, it became the signature, and people asked for it, and it kind of yeah, almost like the design of the body hinges on that. Like that's a okay. become a critical element in yep. the look of the guitar. Um. But it's an absolute pain to buy. <laughs> I was going to say, you probably created a monster in that I regard. I did. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, look, but, you know, that's what people pay for. If it's oh, yeah. if it's a bit of a pain to do, yeah. you know. Mm. It's, but it looks good, and it it's always good. it's a talking point. Um, you know, people are always trying to figure out how I've done it. Yeah. And it's actually it's pretty simple. <laughs> once you think, once I explain it, but yeah, like, without looking at it and having it in your hands, it's kind of. It is a bit weird. Yeah. And your designs are cool too. It's sort of, it's quite a, a retro style mm. um, quirkiness, like almost harking back to the Dan Electros and Silvertones yeah. and Harmonies from yeah. the Sears catalogue yeah. days with a bit of, um, I noticed you go for the gold foils a fair yeah. bit, so that sort of yeah. Tiesco, Diamond sort yeah. of vibe and then a lot of your hardware is quite simple, like, you know, mm. almost like a three-saddle telly style yeah. cut-down bridge. Um, simple electronics. Yep. Um, I think personally as a guitar player, less is more. Mm. You know, you don't want too much complexity in an no. instrument. Yeah, and th- those those choices definitely come from from my playing style. Right. Like I'm, as a bass player, like I'm a P bass player, so like one pickup, you know, yep. volume and a tone. Yeah. And the variety of tones that you get just by moving your hand, like where you're plucking it and how you're plucking it, yeah. um, that that has translated into my guitar playing as well. So yep. I tend to approach my guitar design in that way in that when there's lots of stuff to fiddle with or, you know, it's often harder to find your sound switching through pickups and split coils and all that stuff than it is just to, you know, choose a pickup that gets you part the way there and then adjust your playing style to, to get there. So. Yeah, and that's one thing I've really enjoyed about playing acoustic guitar mm. for the last 10 or maybe even 20 years, is that you're presented with one instrument, yeah. with one sound, ideally one sound, but then you can discover the complexities of yeah. just shaping the tone with mm-hmm. your finger style or your positioning and yeah. just the strength of your pick yeah. or no pick or yeah. whatever. You know, there's Definitely. so many different sounds yeah. at your fingertips without all the flashy lights and all the, yeah. you know, active mid-bursts and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I and... Yeah, you know, we we live in a complicated world yep. at the moment, so yep. it's good. A nice, simple design, yeah, and totally, yeah, very, very intriguing. Yeah, so the designs themselves, like, definitely yeah, heavily influenced by Fender, um, 
but uh, a lot of the other stuff actually came from furniture. Right. So most of the people initially, most of the people that I followed on Instagram were furniture builders, right? And um, you know, definitely mid-century stuff. You know, you've seen my house; it's hundred percent mid-century. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always been driven by those, yeah, those aesthetic choices, the design choices. So they all just kind of ended up getting melded together, mm-hmm. um, and over the years, definitely gotten simpler. Um, by design or just by default, you think? By design. Yeah. Um, you know, the more you build, the more you realise the stuff that you actually don't like doing, like <laughs> physically. Yeah. Like for a while I'd seriously considered ditching um, or, or making all my guitars with bent sides. Right. Like steam, learning how to steam bend, which I've done before but with this would be a bit more complex, purely because I hated sanding end grain. <laughs> so I was willing to go to all these lengths yeah. to, avoid to avoid that. It, yeah. um, and maybe one day I will. But there's, yeah, just other stuff that you like. Well, this practically doesn't work. Like it's hard to do, so I'm just going to ditch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good way to look at it. Um, and that way it becomes a purer um, instrument that's closer to your own yeah. design or your own heart and soul, you know, instead of trying to make it this thing that it's not. Yeah. So you're just sort of following your yeah. your heart there a bit. Yeah. And have you had comments from owners and players about particular, I wouldn't say mods, but things that might influence your next guitar or, or the guitar that they're playing? Yeah. Um. No, most of it has has more or less just been confirmation that I'm on the right track. Okay. Which is nice. <laughs> it is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's bits and pieces that I've definitely adopted. Um, but some of them, yeah, some of it hasn't necessarily been from direct conversation with guitar players. It's been from um, seeing what else they're playing. And like trying out a few little features here and there, mm-hmm. and if it's good enough, it makes it into, you know, what I do, like the zero fret. Yeah, I saw that somewhere else. And actually, one of my customers who owns two of my guitars is in New York. Actually, had his two guitars retrofitted with zero frets. Interesting. Yeah, and right. but it wasn't actually connected. He he went and did it at around the time that I was discovering the zero fret and started adding it. Which is fascinating. Tell me, I have a zero fret guitar at home. Yeah. Is the reasoning for it, so when you're playing open chord, it sounds the same yeah. as a fretted note? Yeah. Um, that's that- what is one of the reasons um, why I have grown to like it. Um, that, yeah, that's definitely one of them. Um, it feels more like that as well. So it feels more like a capoed guitar. Yep. You know how like the action, like when you put a capo, even on oh, the, the first fret. changes 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, yeah, just down the lower end, it just feels a little bit nicer. Um, but also um, when it comes to your nut slots, with the zero fret, you don't have to focus on the depth as much. Mm. So you can focus on how well they fit the string. Yes. Um, and you get better tuning stability that way. And less noise behind the nut, I suppose, too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so there's, there's a few little reasons. Um, but yeah, most of it comes down to yeah, nut slots, for me at least, mm-hmm. um, and just getting a good action down that end. Yeah, cool. Was it Gretsch who were probably doing it? Hmm. Or not, I wouldn't say first. I don't know. Do you know where it originated from? No. I don't actually. Yeah, I think a lot of the country gents had it in hmm. the sort of mid-60s perhaps. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I Tennesseans, think. Or I'm not yeah. sure which particular model, but. You actually see the most in like really janky catalogue guitars. Right. Um, especially like Soviet era, like right. European ones. So it must be a European thing. Yeah. Um, definitely you see them in Hofner's. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I, I, I'm curious as to know, like curious to know whether it is just they're quicker to build because you don't have to pay much attention to nut slotting. Like, yep. It might be it. Um, and you see them in, you know, the 60s Yamaha hollow bodies, the right. SA series stuff. Yep. Which is actually where I picked it up from. Sure. I did a bunch of refrets on those over the years and, um, yeah, I just... What do you do with that zero fret? Is it a different gauge? Yeah, slightly bigger. 
Right. Um, it doesn't have to be, but when it comes to like leveling your frets, um, I found it's helpful just to have a, sl- yeah, a little bit more height there. Yeah, you're more to play with, I suppose. If yeah. you do want to lower your action, you can always take it off. You can't build it up. Yeah. So I had a couple of instances where I was using the same size fret wire and then when it came to levelling the frets, I found that the zero fret actually sat a bit lower than the rest of them, which meant that I had to take more. I had to dress more t- off the top of the rest of the frets to get it Yeah. Yeah. I was like, might, might as well just make that one bigger. Yeah. Less um, work. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, um, and do you have much trial and error or much sort of R and D in that regard? Like, are you trying things out? Do you have yeah. like a guitar that um, perhaps you can try different pickups in, or do you have a, a a blank that you can sort of like try things in? I've, oh, I've been meaning to make a mule, as yeah. they call them, uh, to uh-huh. try different electronics and and pickups and stuff, but I never got round to it. So most um, most of the non-customer orders, I'll try something new in. Yeah, right. Um, so, like, if customers order a guitar, it it comes as they expect. Um, if I have a bit of free time and I've been bouncing around ideas in my head, I'll be like, cool, I'm going to try this and this on it um, and then I'll offer it for sale later on. Yep. Um, and sometimes the things that I try make it into other builds. Yep. Um, and sometimes they don't. And are your designs on paper? Like, are you, like, hand-drawing these things? Or no. you feel like got the aid of some technology? Yeah, so I... Also have done quite a bit of graphic design in my time. Yeah. So I'm pretty comfortable in um, computer-aided design. Uh, that's where most of it starts. And then I find it helpful because I can actually work in like a full-scale space but yep. on a computer. Yeah. So I can measure stuff really accurately because um, yep. all my designs are, you know, to the millimetre. Um, and then, yeah, I just get them printed out full-scale and... There is actually a little bit of discrepancy between what's on the computer and what's in real life because, yeah. you know, I hand make all my templates and stuff so, you yeah. know, the lines change slightly. <clears throat> and also sometimes when you print something out in full size, you're like, it doesn't work. Yeah. That's ugly. <laughs> uh, well, that line is slightly wrong. So it's a bit of back and forth okay. until you, until I get to the point where I'm like, yeah, this is good. Cool. I suppose that's sort of refined over the years too. You've sort yeah. of worked out the... The faults, or well, not the faults, but the little um, room for human element yeah. between the computer and the build. Yep. Sort of. Yeah. Well, there's lots of stuff that I really should turn into templates. Like I right. should make a template for my neck. Like that would be a good start because then I could also make a template for my neck pocket. Um, but I don't do that for some I was going to say, do you have like um, neck dimension templates and stuff? Like if someone says, oh, can I have like a... a a 50s Telecaster, you know, sort of baseball V. Do you go, mm. okay, cool, here's, here's that or do you have this is my interpretation of that or do you I go have, this is my build? Yeah, I have <laughs> I have a neck profile that I've just kind of settled on um, and it is a little bit thicker than a stand, like a modern C that you'd find on a Fender um, but in that kind of ballpark. But, you know, part of the, the conversation with customers is figuring out whether yep. they like a chunkier neck um, and if that's the case, then, um, you know, we talk about guitars that they like. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't necessarily have templates, but, um, yeah, I'll figure out dimensions, thicknesses and, and yeah, carve until it feels right. Yep. I've got, a, I got a, a method of carving that works um, for me. It means that I get a neck that feels nice yep. regardless of kind of how thick it is. And as a player, you'd... You've got a head start. Yeah. A lot of guitar builders purely might even come from a furniture background mm. perhaps or a timber, yep. love of timber. Yep. Um, so quite often the guitars that come out of that style of build are, don't always feel like they mm. should. They kind of look beautiful, probably yeah. sound really good, but the feel aspect, yeah. which I think, you know, I think as a player it's a huge component. Yeah, totally. Yeah. you got to love picking that thing up and yeah. playing it. Um, yeah, I yeah, have the same experience as you that, you know, you'll find something that, that looks amazing but something that's just not quite right and you wouldn't yep. pick up unless you were a, a player. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't be able to solve that problem unless you were a player. Yeah. Um, so, yep. yeah, it definitely helps. Do you have much interaction with other builders? Do you sort of, um, is there like a community that you can kind of like 
yeah. throw ideas to or do you like yeah, through through Instagram? Like yep. the the building community on Instagram is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone seems to be pretty chill. Yep. Um, and excited about everyone else's work. Um, so I've got a couple of guys on there, you know, all around the world that I just bounce ideas off. Um, and even non guitar makers, like, you know, guys that are doing amps and pedals and stuff. Yep. I've got, um, Nick Greer from Greer Amps. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's really good to bounce ideas off. Cool. Like he's got an amazing, um, way of approaching design. Um, so he's been really helpful in oh, some great. of the new stuff. They got some great pedals. Yeah, Greer. Yeah, yeah. I've only just discovered. Well, not just discovered. Probably in the last year or two, discovered the Lightspeed and the yeah, okay. um, Southern Harmonic Overdrive. Yeah, nice. They're really cool pedals. And mm, cool. Friends of mine have yeah, definitely experimented more than yeah. I have in the yeah. in the Greer products. But um, definitely seen like guys who are willing to yeah. try some things out, mm. as well as like honouring tradition and yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got it figured out. And he's a nice guy too. <laughs> Perfect. Good guy to know. Yeah. And um, how, how do you how do you go? Like I know that you said you're a, your your main source of income is wedding photography and mm. wedding videography. Yep. Um, with guitars, I know that it, it, there is a labour of love. Yep. It's like anything in the arts, I suppose. It's it's something that you do to fulfil your mm. need as as a human. Yep. <laughs> you know to fill your soul up a bit. Um, how, how do you go in that? I'm not asking to see your bank yeah. balance or anything, but I'm, I'm just wondering how, like, what's some ideas that p- maybe people who are starting to build or maybe yeah. starting to tinker in that regard, what, what were some things that you've done over the years that you think, yeah, oh, okay. maybe I should have tried that differently or maybe yeah. this side of the business could be improved or maybe I've just really struck magic with this hmm. thing. I don't know. Is there anything that springs to mind in that regard? Uh, definitely one of the things that helped me early on was, you know, hand tools. I know a lot of people get poncy about hand tools, um, but I wouldn't have been able to make a start if it wasn't for hand tools. Like, they require effort. They require you to understand, um, you know, the mechanics of your body, um, but also timber. Like, mm-hmm. you, lots of stuff can go wrong if you're just attacking a piece of the timber the wrong way. Um, and understanding the tool... But you can also just get a lot done with not much in the way of hand tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think when I started, I had a couple of hand planes, I had a set of really basic chisels, a couple of saws, um, you know, a, a, a power drill. Uh, I didn't even have a drill press or a bandsaw. Sure. Um, and a router. Like those things you can you can get started, you can add a jigsaw. That'll help cutting bodies and stuff out. Um, but you know, when you're starting out, like there are places that you can buy pre-milled material. Like yeah. a lot of the works, a lot of the work that requires expensive specialist tools, um, yeah, is already done. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get your fretboards pre-slotted and pre-radiused. Like there are lots of ways to, you know, these days, yep. there's lots of ways to, to build guitars without much in the way of tools. Um, and my advice is to to keep at it that way until until the point that you can't anymore. Like a lot of people, and I was one of those people, wanted to add, you know, big power tools as soon as they could. Yep. Because it does make the job easier. But I think if you skip all the steps of of hand tools or minimal tools, you lose the or you skip the ability um, to understand the material better but also problem solving. Like yep. most of guitar building is just... <laughs> problem solving, fixing yeah. the problems that you've just made. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you cover this mistake up? Um, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, power tools can make you, help you make a mistake really quickly. Um, <laughs> I've yeah. learned over the years. Have you had to, have you had much waste? Like do you sometimes get to a point where you can't return on a, on a project? Oh, yeah. Uh, not often. M- most of the stuff I can figure out how to fix. Um m- most of the stuff that I've trashed and started over has just been because I've been busy and working tirelessly on this thing and I've just rage smashed a guitar <laughs> <laughs> because I think the last time I really did it, I, you know, it was almost at the end of building this body and like probably the most scary part of guitar building is drilling the hole between, you know, a pickup and a 
and a control cavity yeah. because you can drill straight through the back of your guitar very easily. Yes. And that happened. Right. And so that piece of timber went into the, the fire pit very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, you've got to do that stuff. Oh, like, yeah. Unfortunately, mm. it's, it's like any skill. You have mm. to kind of take the skill a bit beyond its limits yep. to, to know where you're at and to learn from that and to yeah. go, yeah, what did you get? I went too far and I've stuffed up yeah. hours or days of work yeah. within seconds. Yep. So, I, I, yeah, one of life's yeah. lessons, eh? Yeah. But I, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like wasting. Um, like <clears throat> timber's a, a precious resource and yep. especially if I've spent ages, you know, hand-picking a particular piece. Mm-hmm. No, I really don't want to trash it. Um, and especially some of the exotic pieces, um, you know, some of those things are endangered. You don't want to just throw them out because you made a little mistake. Like if you yeah, if you can come up with an idea to yep. to fix it, then by all means. Like yep. it might eat into your bottom line, but it's worth it in the end. It's better to have a finished product than have it mm. get thrown in the... In the skip. Yep. And I suppose even if it is going to be co- covered in paint, yeah, there's probably a certain amount you can get away with there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Compared I mean, to a plain finish or a yeah. rubbed oil. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some stuff that you can just make a feature. If yeah. If you're creative enough. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Enhance its floor and go, look what I, you know, here's, here's the yeah. floor and let's pronounce that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think in my first build, I'm pretty sure. I don't know what I did. I ended up sanding something too aggressively, and yeah, you know, ruined it. But then I think we figured out that I came up with the idea of like inlaying a pick guard, and oh, that right. covered my mistake. So great, yeah. So yeah stuff jo- like that. Yeah, the joys of pick guards. I reckon there's yeah. a lot of stuff that happens under a pick guard <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yep, that's cool. And what's what's in the future for you, mate? Like, what's what are you up to at the moment, and how do you see your business? Mm. Um, are you are you looking to just continue as you are? Or are you going to like ramp it up? Or are you going to like chill out a bit? What's what's the plan in here? Uh, well, you've actually caught me at an interesting time because there are some changes that are going to happen. Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm working through a, a pretty solid batch, um, and it will actually be my last batch of customer orders for a while. We are, as a family, hoping to get our caravan um, and jump on the boat and nice. tour around the mainland. Yeah. Um, and that'll be, yeah, that'll be hopefully next winter. Um, and being a wedding photographer, like all my building happens in winter. Yeah. So that'll be a whole year of not building guitars but mm-hmm. doing something else that will be very fulfilling. Coming back after that, still figuring some stuff out because I've got some new designs and new ways of building that I'm pretty excited about. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I just need a bit of time to to figure those out. In the meantime, it will just be refining the processes just to make the guitar building easier, more enjoyable and more consistent. That's the key, I think, especially mm. once you start getting a name for yourself. I think consistency is yeah. the key. Um, having a product that's going to be as you know, as good on the Monday as it is on the Friday. Yeah, and exactly. You hear a lot of people talk about these bigger businesses, yeah. these bigger, you know, larger names that we probably shouldn't mention. They're, they can be hit and miss. I was, yeah. They're pretty good these days. I think quality control is really up mm. to its game, but I think uh, that sort of mid-80s to sort of mid-90s yeah. period of consistency across like many forms of yeah. musical instruments, not just guitars, tracks, drums and cymbals and even microphones, yep. quality control has always been a bit, how you going? So yeah. if if you can have a consistent sound, feel, even your imagery, like I noticed your Instagram, I guess it's probably because of the model of Instagram, it's very image-based, yeah. obviously, because you might not even have a product. Like I'm sure there are mm. companies on Instagram or people that just like take photos of things and go, this is what I do, but they don't actually have anything to sell. Yeah. Or <laughs> So... So to have a really good image and a feel and a brand and all that stuff really just, I suppose, having a photography background really yeah. helps in that regard too. Yeah. Just being able to multitask and to sort of, because far out, like we've got to do everything ourselves at these yeah. modern age, don't we? Yeah, like no. as much as computers are great, 
we find ourselves stuck to them a lot. Yeah. Editing. Yep. Manipulating um, photos or, or getting your social media intact and yep. all this sort of stuff. So, how can people find you? Uh, oh, we've talked about Instagram. So yeah, that's the best place. It is. Yeah. Um, I'm out on there I'm, a bit. Though, I'm taking a break from Instagram at the moment. Good. Um, yeah, I've got I've got this real love hate relationship <laughs> with Instagram in particular. Yeah. Um, it does awful things for my mental health, so I've got to be very intentional about it. But I mean, yeah, in terms of getting a cross section of what I do and how I do it, Instagram, um, J Dot Parsons Guitars. Um, is the the best way to do it. I have a blog that I try and update every now and then. Your own dot com sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, Which is jparsonsguitars.com. Easy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And is there a bit of a YouTube presence? Have you got any like did I, I have try, demos and things uh, like that? Of guitars I tried or? once. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't anymore. I don't think there are demos on my Instagram. Okay. Um, on the IGTV part of it. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago I did like like a build series. Mm-hmm. Like I had a couple of guitars that I was building and I tried to follow it through and that was that turned into a monster that I didn't yeah. – <laughs> couldn't finish it in the end. I was like, oh, it's just coming down, um, which was kind of disappointing because it had a decent following but it was just a yeah. lot of work. There's, there's a few YouTube pages I subscribe to which are like that. They kind of have makings of and they're mm. really interactive in that kind of process of mm. – from nothing to a full – and they're, they're great fun to watch but far out. They must be so time-consuming not yeah. only in the filming process but mm. the editing and like you're just spending more time doing everything apart from making yeah. the instrument. Yeah, and that, <laughs> yeah, that was the main issue that I had is, you know, the main reason I couldn't finish it is because all of a sudden I was reaching the end of my deadline for these builds and they were still a way off. And I was like, I'm just going to have to pack the camera away and just focus on getting these things built. Yeah. Um, and that's it's probably one of the things that I dislike about Instagram and that affects me so much is this idea that you've constantly got to be thinking about how what you're doing gets perceived on the internet. Yeah. And that sucks because like sometimes <laughs> you just want to build without <laughs> having someone watching you the whole time. Yeah. Or having this internal sense that people are waiting for you to post something, which I'm sure they they are and they aren't. Yeah. Um, but it's just another thing that you've got to do for other people, um, which you do, you don't have to do. <laughs> like I've been trying to figure out like what would my what would my product look like if I wasn't on Instagram? Like would yeah. it survive? And I think it would. Um, it feels more legitimate being on Instagram and having people comment <laughs> on your guitars. Yeah, but it's that instant kind of like, but yeah. it's it's instant. Gratification, but really, what does it mean? I suppose yeah. if if they're not buying guitars, if they're just like yeah. giving you a like or a mm. or a share or whatever, until someone actually transfers some money and, yeah, and you exactly. post a guitar to them, like, yeah. what does it mean? Yeah, <laughs> like it's easy to generate interest, but yes, it doesn't always translate into to a sale. Um, yeah. You know, and I've just come to terms with the fact that a lot of the time Instagram is this performative guitar building for me, like. And I don't know if it's a good thing. <laughs> well, there's there's a whole Instagram guitar player yeah. thing as well. Like someone yeah. who can play an amazing guitar for maybe like 20 seconds. Yeah. And just make you go, wow, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. But there's no substance to it. There's no like you wouldn't go and see them at a gig because no. after 20 seconds they probably haven't got much else to, yeah. to give. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's a real generation of that I think that that's super impressive. And when you do the, the, the doom scroll, it's yeah, like... Yeah. Oh wow, wow, wow! Yep. It's really, but it's it's over. It's done. Yeah. So I th- I think I don't know. I'm just it's taking a pun here. I, I think you've you've set it up. You've built the foundation. Yep. You've got some really good instruments out there. Mm. You can kind of just like do what you want now, and you can control your own productivity and your own media. Mm. For probably just your website. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. So the the energy and the time has been spent, and now you can just. Make some guitars. That's what I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah, because that's that's the idea, isn't it? Like yeah. even as a performer, you, you just want to perform. Yeah. Or definitely. you just want to write a song. You don't necessarily want to do all that back-end stuff of, mm. you know, God, I hate blowing my own smoke, you know. <laughs> you, you just you just want to play and write. And, yep, totally. And do the thing that you love. Like So, 
yeah, I, I think we should all mm. take that on board. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. How, do, how do you go with life, work, sort of balance, being self-employed? I know yeah. that that's a bit of a struggle for most people who are self-employed. Yeah, you've really got to – it's taken us years to understand like the rhythms of like seasons. I think settling into the concept of seasons has been really beneficial for both of you know me and my wife in that, you know, summer can get pretty hectic um, with weddings um, and, you know, for that season I'm pretty absorbed with that yep. side of the world um, and then once it slows down a bit I can move back in here and start tinkering and mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, but definitely, yeah, we've had to stop and make some sacrifices. Like we don't take any bookings in January. Because that's our time with our kids. Like cool. They're, you know, they're at school full time. So if we just work every weekend, then we don't get to spend much time with them. Um, and also, like for us, I think we would go insane if we just worked for six months straight yeah. in a pretty intense industry. Yep. Um, so that break for us is nice. But um, yeah, just accepting the fact that sometimes adopting the nine to five mindset is helpful for mm-hmm. productivity and sometimes you just got to push outside it and allow your days to be a little bit slower and, you know, start a little bit later. Yep. Um, pay attention to your body and your mind and yep. uh, not always be caught up in a rat race, which I think Instagram can often <laughs> can often influence that you've always got to be doing something yeah. worthwhile. Sometimes the thing that's worthwhile is actually just sitting in the sun and drinking a coffee and reading a book. Yeah, I can yeah definitely recommend that. Just mm. sitting back and sort of letting things go a bit, and mm. especially where you are, you you work from home. Yep. Your workshops behind your house. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are days you don't even have to leave. It's yeah. just like I'm just gonna, you know, maybe buy an extra few cans of beans. Yeah. <laughs> Stay home for the extra few days and yep. just sort of get absorbed in in things that you want to do. And I suppose. Dead, like deadlines are good to mm. to work back from and go, okay, cool. Okay, I'm going to have a few days of chill and then next few days I'm going to work really hard, smash it out so yep. therefore I can have the time with my kids or maybe I can then go and do something that I want to do on a personal level, yeah. things like that. And I think that's that's helped us a lot is that idea of that you can actually, it is, it is your time that you, <laughs> that you can be intentional with. Yeah. And... Um, you don't have to fill every minute of the day with productivity. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Cool. Well, thanks very much, John, for letting no us into your workshop and having a chat, all things about guitars. That's a pleasure. Good to catch up. And, um, yeah, hopefully there's a stringed up one here I can have a little tinker on. <laughs> Do you play bass? <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's for another podcast. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks, John. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for listening, folks, to another episode of Say It With Guitars. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, share it around to your mates, leave a good review, and hopefully we'll see you next time.